Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 8. The whole month of November at our church is set aside for the memory of death, those who have physically died and gone before us. The celebration of all souls on November the 2nd marks the start of remembering and thankfulness. Today, the day after Thanksgiving, I think it's fitting to think again of those who have gone before us and thank them in our hearts for the impact they had on our lives. The freedoms we have because of the bravery of men in war, the faith I have thanks to my paternal grandmother, and the most important death of all, the sacrifice Christ made for us when he died for our sins. Christ's crucifixion allows us to look forward to eternal life because physical death was conquered by him. Yes, our bodies will still die, but instead of dying into nothing, God wanted us to be able to reside with him in eternity. We're able to look forward to death, as much as any truly vibrant person can, as a beginning, not an end. It is this looking forward that we who are left behind can draw strength from, we believe that our loved ones, although taken from our earthly world, live on. By accepting Christ as the way to heaven, by accepting the free gift paid for at a high price, we're no longer slaves to sin, although we are still sinners. We can rest in the truth that we will be raised again. Thank you, God. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm here to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It can be straightforward school or no school at all. It can involve world travel or a comfy seat on the couch. It can be in pursuit of passions or simply hanging out in a tree. Homeschooling can be embarked upon for a number of reasons, too. A physically challenged child or parent, the threat of bullies and overwhelming peer pressure, a particularly brilliant child who is bored in kindergarten, a conflict in religious teachings, a desire for the family closeness missing in your upbringing. For me, it's a lifestyle that suits the maverick lurking within. I wanted to be the one who saw the light bulbs go on. I wanted to be there at turning points in my children's lives. I didn't want to hand them over to folk who weren't their mother. And I wanted to make my own decisions about how to raise my children. On this show, I've spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers, fathers and graduates who find educational opportunities everywhere and thrive. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. God and children will do that. I've gained insights and delights that I am happy to share with you. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes a roller coaster. But for me, it starts and ends with God. The beauty of walking through pasture lands, the mockingbirds singing, rain falling softly, icicles on the fountain, the smell of wood smoke, a serious hug, 
or lightning in the distance. If you pop by, I'll offer you hot chocolate and a freshly baked scone. But I understand. I'm here in Garland, Texas, and you're out there somewhere listening to me, and thank you. After the first break, I'm thrilled to be welcoming back my good friend Gretchen Rowe, a frequent guest. This is the tenth whole show we've done together. Gretchen is a homeschooling mother of six, and she'll be joining me to talk about the changes occurring in her life and how her holidays are shaping up this year. Stay tuned. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNinnies, where I'm looking at the Thanksgiving weekend, reflecting on a book by Max Lucado, and trying to free my mind from thinking too much. Are you ready? Part of the thanks I offer at this time of year is for those who have gone before us, whether in war or natural deaths, anyone who's touched my life and made me who I am today. Throughout November, we remember loved ones, and I like to visit graveyards and the columbarium at our church. When I think of my own family members, my parents who lived through the Second World War, and my grandparents who were touched by the First World War, I thank God that there were leaders and willing servicemen and women who risked their lives for our freedoms. I am thankful to be a British American. I am thankful I was able to go to school and, in turn, educate my children. I am thankful that I can choose my job and not be forced into doing something I don't want to do. I am thankful that I can speak out about whatever I choose, stand up for the issues I feel passionate about, and know that I won't be thrown into jail or worse. Our priest from Cuba during the prayers of the people always said, "Thank you for the freedom to worship in this country." I have never lived in a country where I wasn't free to worship the way I wanted to. I came pretty close to persecution in Beirut when I was there as a child with my parents. We were able to attend the Catholic Church in the city, but before the tanks barreled into Beirut, the Lebanese would knock on our car windows as we were leaving church on a Sunday and ask us to stay. If you leave, we'll not be able to practice our Christian faith. They'd say to my father when he rolled down his window. This was a whole new concept for me at the time. Yes, I'm thankful to be able to practice my faith freely. I've been reading a book by Max Lucado about outlive your life, and it's about much bigger stuff than living a good life. It's about leaving a legacy, leaving something behind that you will be remembered for, if only just by our families. The subtitle of the book is "You Were Made to Make a Difference," and his opening chapter struck a chord with me that I hope will resonate with you too. He entitled it "Father Finding Father Benjamin: A Fable." Unfavorable winds blow the ship off course, and when they do, the sailors spot uncharted islands. They see half a dozen mounds rising out of the blue South Sea's water. The captain orders the men to drop anchor and goes ashore. He's a robust man with a barrel chest, full beard, and curious soul. On the first island, he sees nothing but sadness: underfed children, tribes in conflict, no farming or food development, no treatment for the sick, and no schools—just simple, needy people. The second and following islands reveal more of the same. The captain sighs at what he sees: "This is no life for these people." But what can he do? Then he steps onto the last and largest island. The people are healthy and well-fed. Irrigation systems nourish their fields, and roads connect the villages. The children have bright eyes and strong bodies. The captain asks the chief for an explanation. How has this island moved so far ahead of the others? 
The chief, who is smaller than the captain but every bit his equal in confidence, gives a quick response. Father Benjamin. He educated us in everything from agriculture to health. He built schools and clinics and dug wells. The captain asks, Can you take me to see him? The chief nods and signals for two tribesmen to join them. They guide the captain over a jungle ridge to a simple, expansive medical clinic. It's equipped with clean beds and staffed with trained caretakers. They show the captain the shelves of medicine and introduce him to the staff. The captain, though impressed, sees nothing of Father Benjamin. He repeats his request. I'd like to see Father Benjamin. Can you take me to where he lives? The three natives look puzzled. They confer among themselves. After several minutes, the chief invites, follow us to the other side of the island. They walk along the shoreline until they reach a series of fish ponds. Canals connect the ponds to the ocean. As the tide rises, fish pass from the ocean into the ponds. The islanders then lower canal gates and trap the fish for harvest. Again, the captain is amazed. He meets fishermen and workers, gatekeepers and net casters, but he sees nothing of Father Benjamin. He wonders if he's making himself clear. I don't see Father Benjamin. Please take me to where he lives. The trio talks alone again. After some discussion, the chief offers, Let's go to the mountain. They lead the captain up a steep, narrow path. After many twists and turns, the path deposits them in front of a grass-roofed chapel. The voice of the chief is soft and earnest. He has taught us about God. He escorts the captain inside and shows him the altar, a large wooden cross, several rows of benches, and a Bible. Is this where Father Benjamin lives? the captain asks. The men nod and smile. May I talk to him? Their faces grow suddenly serious. Oh, that would be impossible. Why? He died many years ago. The bewildered captain stares at the men. I asked to see him, and you showed me a clinic, some fish farms, and this chapel. You said nothing of his death. You didn't ask about his death, the chief explained. You asked to see where he lives. We showed you. Throughout the book, Max gives little hints about how we can make a difference that counts, and one of the things that appealed to both my blue-eyed cowboy and me was Max's telling of how we can do something instead of just throwing money at it. You see a beggar and take him for a meal. He'll remember it years later as Max retells of a man who came up to his car window at a traffic light and said, I know you. You're Max. We had a meal last year when I was passing through San Antonio with my family. Max had to drive off as the light changed, but he was touched that the man had remembered. We all remember actions, don't we? In the Bible, the apostles do the same thing at the beautiful gate. Max continues, A gate called Beautiful. The man was anything but... He couldn't walk, but had to drag himself about on his knees. He passed his days among the contingent of real and pretend beggars who coveted the coins of the worshippers entering Solomon's court. Peter and John were among them. The needy man saw the apostles, lifted his voice, and begged for money. They had none to give, yet still they stopped. Peter and John looked straight at him and said, "'Look at us,' Acts 3, verse 4." They locked their eyes on his with such compassion that he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Peter and John issued no embarrassed glance, irritated shrug, or cynical dismissal, but an honest look. Simon the Pharisee once disdained Jesus' kindness towards a woman of questionable character. So Jesus tested him. 
Do you see this woman? Luke 7, verse 44. What do we see? When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Matthew 9.36 Simon didn't see what Jesus saw. He saw a hussy, a streetwalker, a scamp. He didn't see the woman. What do we see? When, we saw the, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Matthew 9, verse 36. This word compassion is one of the oddest in Scripture. The New Testament Greek lexicon says the word means to be moved as to one's bowels, for the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. It shares a root system with splancology, the study of the visceral parts. Compassion, then, is a movement deep within, a kick in the gut. Perhaps this is why we turn away. Who can bear such an emotion, especially when we can do nothing about it? Why look suffering in the face if we can't make a difference? Yet what if we could? What if our attention could reduce someone's pain? Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Acts 3, verses 6 to 8. What if Peter had said, well, since I don't have any silver or gold, I'll keep my mouth shut. But he didn't. He placed his mustard seed-sized deed, a look and a touch, in the soil of God's love. And look what happened. The thick, meaty hand of the fisherman reached for the frail, thin one of the beggar. Think Sistine Chapel and the high hand of God, one from above, the other from below. A holy, helping hand. Peter lifted the man towards himself. The cripple swayed like a newborn calf, finding its balance. It appeared as if the man would fall, but he didn't. He stood, and as he stood, he began to shout, and passers-by began to stop. They stopped and watched the cripple skip. From Max Lucado's Outlive Your Life, See the Need, Touch the Hurt. Before I go on my first break, I want to introduce my guest and friend, Gretchen Rowe, who's going to be joining me today to talk about the upcoming holidays and what life looks like for her now that she's moved. If you remember from our last conversation on April the 18th, Good Friday, Gretchen was packing up to move and was preparing for lots of changes in her life and the life of her family. Gretchen and her husband, Pat, were the homeschooling parents of six children, four of whom have left the nest, leaving two at home who braved the move from Maryland, where they lived for 20 years, to western North Carolina, where Gretchen grew up. Chickens and pigs are all part of the package, and today we'll find out just how well homesteading is going as they settle on their three-acre farmstead and the boys go to public school. Gretchen said she will no longer have a say-so in their education. Gretchen now works for Demi Learning, best known to us as Matthew C., and we'll be talking about this curricula in a few weeks. Go get yourself something good to drink, and I'll be back with Gretchen after this short break. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. 
Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm delighted to welcome back to my show this week my good friend Gretchen Rowe. Welcome, Gretchen. Thank you, Vivian. It's so great to be here. I cannot believe that we are together again and how long you've been doing this. This is just amazing to me. Well, you know what? I counted up and we've done 10. This is our 10th proper show together, but I know you've been with me um, over a Christmas, maybe a short Christmas thing. And that's so 10 shows, 10 shows in the five years. So that averages twice a year so you are very supportive and I thank you so much for that well so often I get the opportunity to say hey if you really need some encouragement let me send you to this wonderful show and I have yet to ever hear back from anyone who hasn't said oh thank you for (laughs) for doing that so well good thank you so much Gretchen well the last time we spoke it was Good Friday this year and both of us were getting ready to you know, do something a little bit different with our lives. So tell me, because my listeners have come faithfully with me throughout these months as I've told them how I've been going week after week, but nobody knows how you've been doing. And I, I've mentioned you several times and had my, my listeners remember to pray for you during your, your move and your transition. So let's hear. Well, I have to tell you, I thank them all for their prayers. We definitely have felt those. We have sort of felt like we were reclaiming the wilderness. Mm -hmm. We moved to a three-acre property in our hometown, um, two-tenths of a mile from the the house I grew up in. And um, we have spent the entire summer pulling stickers, weeds, Mm -hmm. vines, small trees, and literally reclaiming the property. it, it's just astonishing what it looks like now and what it looked like the 1st of June. We um, made our own hardwood floors. We lived on plywood most of the summer. We are finally fully unpacked and settled into the house, and we just absolutely love it. Well, good. Um, the boys uh, becoming public schoolers, and uh, God honored our prayers for that just phenomenally. My um, 15-year-old son is in uh, attending the high school where my husband and I graduated, and it's it's much like it was when we attended there um, a long time ago, as mm-hmm. he teases me, when rocks were soft. <laughs> but he uh, just made the honor roll 
He has had the opportunity to be in honors level classes. And my husband just lit out of here about half an hour ago to take him to swim team. He's swimming competitively this winter and just thrilled to bits. He's grown eight inches since we moved. Wow. Goodness. And I just can't believe he's the little kid I left Maryland with the 1st of June. Hmm. And my younger son uh, thinks school is just awesome. We have been blessed. We prayed that God would give us godly men and women to instruct him, and uh, the school experience thus far has been tremendous. I have not a single negative thing to say about it. <laughs> wow, that's wonderful. I was going to ask you what, what that was like. Um, I want to go back a little bit to, you say that you went back to your home where, where you and your husband grew up. So you actually did both grow up in this same town and you met there. Where, did you go we to did. school together? You were high school sweethearts? Well, we never dated in high school. We were friends in high school, but mm -hmm. we did not date until we were both in college. Mm -hmm. um, we knew, we've known each other since um, I was 15 and he was 17, but we didn't date um, until after I was out of high school. And um, so going back... What was that like for both of you? Well, my mother-in-law has continued to live here all the years that we've been away. So uh, this was where we came for vacation oh. or holidays. Um, so it was a very different experience to come and not leave. Mm -hmm. And um, at one point, the boys said to this, us this summer, well, where are we going to go for vacations now? Because we used to come here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just been delightful to be back. It really has been a tremendously blessed experience. So the house is not a family home no. that you're in? No. Okay. No, it's not. But My did you know it? Did you know the family that used to live there? No, no. As a matter of fact, when I lived here, this was all um, woods. There was no house here. This house was built um, sometime after... Um, I moved away. My husband and I married in 81 and moved away from Hendersonville. The elementary school where Owen is going to school was the woods I played in when I was growing up. All right. Okay. Okay, so you're back and both your boys are at two separate schools because there's a little bit of an age yes. gap between them. Yes. 15, 15, did you say Duncan was? Duncan is 15, 15. and Owen is 9. And they both love their schools and their teachers. And what was it like for them educationally? How did Calvert prepare them to segue into the public school system? You know, it has been a very seamless transition. Really? As a matter of fact, um, a week after Duncan started school, his English teacher came to him and said, I would like you to candidate for my honors English class. She said, we, we never put transitioning homeschoolers into honors level classes because we just, we don't have a paradigm to know what their experiences were like. But she said, you have a tremendous work ethic and it seems like you have a very good handle on what you're doing in school. And I would like you to take a test and see if you can candidate successfully for my honors English class. And he did. Okay. And he did. And he got an A in that class his first quarter. Mm -hmm. And it, it, he says it's his favorite class. Okay. He says it's tough, 
She's a, um, a demanding instructor, and he is absolutely crazy about what he's learning. Well, excellent. So that is encouraging for other parents who may, for varying reasons, um, have to you know, transition their children into either a public school or a private school away from the home school. Yes, I think I think so. You know, everyone has a different experience, and I've had some heard some interesting stories over my travels over the summer. But um, for us, um, well covered in prayer was a good thing, and it has been a fabulous experience thus far. Good. Right now, you yourself moving from a home that you had lived in for many many years. And you were able to, unlike me, I put mine in my storage unit and I every now and again go and visit and go, oh, well, there's my home. And uh, you, were, you took yours with you. And I know that while you were packing, you, had, you took a certain amount to Goodwill or gave it away. And so you only took a certain amount. So did you take way too much? You know, we didn't. We, we, we put the vast majority of my mother-in-law's house here in storage. Okay. So... Um, when we first started looking at packing up our house, my uh, eldest daughter actually came over with a roll of masking tape, and we put a piece of tape on everything, and it said, go, stay, or sell. Mm -hmm. And so we went through the entire house, and I have, it transitioned very seamlessly. I have gone back up a couple of times for some small things. I've been back to Maryland twice now. Mm -hmm. Um, and the things like that got left in the attic, um, because my daughter is living in my old house. So I had a, a tremendous advantage over what many others would have. I didn't have to be, um, completely out of my house because Mm -hmm. she and my, um, darling son in love and three grandchildren moved into our house as we were moving out. So, okay. So that made the transition a little easier. Yeah, that's handy. Very handy. And so you say you've been back a couple of times. Who is everybody still there in Maryland? Your other my four, four? Well, three of my old, four oldest children are in Maryland. Okay. My eldest daughter is in Severna Park. My eldest son is up in Timonium with his wife. Um, my middle daughter is um, uh, up in Aberdeen, Maryland. And daughter graduated from college out in the Midwest in the spring and fell in love with Kansas City and so she's in Kansas City Missouri right oh. now and is this Callan yes she's yes. in Kansas okay and she's working for a music house in Kansas City and Lenexa hmm. and having a grand time well, good. Really a great deal of fun out there well good and your husband how did how how is he Faring is he settled in as well as you are? Or is he um, a farmer? <laughs> well, I'm going to date myself right now, but if if uh, any of your listeners remember a show from the '60s called Green Acres, oh, yes, that's about what we're <laughs> doing. He's working um, part time, mm-hmm. and the rest of the time he is um, working on reclaiming this three acres of land and getting it ready to be our little farm at. Um, We have not acquired, um, the only animals we've acquired since the move are two pet rats, but um, (laughs) uh, chickens, 
pigs and goats will come after the first of the year. We've had to do fencing and things like that. So we're getting to the point where we're about ready to, um, to, to welcome those little beasties. We're waiting until after the Christmas holidays because we're going to go up and spend Christmas in Maryland with our children. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, so you don't want that, that burden of animals. So you've got to find somebody <laughs> to look after them. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my son and his wife have their birds, and every time they go anywhere, and sometimes we've been kindly invited to stay in their house to look after their birds while they've been away, which we have done. Um, but they have added to their menagerie. They've got four chickens that lay for them, and that's fine. And they love the chickens better than anything else. And they now have national birds, an owl and a hawk. Oh, wow. I know, because they're both professional bird handlers. So they can now, once they get these birds, the hawk and the owl, friendly enough or not you know sort of they can't be startled with people coming up to them not touching them but just in a in a crowd they'll start taking them to schools and and to parks and you know do shows with them not show shows but do educational tours with them and so i know i know and but they know what it's like they actually know now when we used to say well we have a dog they'd say can we get another dog can we get some cats and we're going you know we can't just pick up and go somewhere when you have a responsibility and they just didn't fully understand that but now they do that's right that's That's right right. it does make a difference doesn't it it does so you say you're getting pigs a pig or what kind of pigs Um, We will be getting pigs that will, um, well, my boys are laughingly saying one is going to be called pork chop and the other is going to be called bacon. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The goal is to uh, raise some organic meat. And um, we ultimately have the goal to raise some meat rabbits as well. Um, We have one outbuilding on our property right now that will accommodate chickens um, and we're working on getting that ready. Uh, I should say as an aside, this particular um, piece of land was once a, um, they raised Newfoundland dogs here. So we have six foot fences and we have um, outbuildings that are lend themselves to becoming chicken houses, rabbit houses. Mm -hmm. We're still working on, on the pig house, but we do have a, um, a slab of concrete so eventually that will become that as well so yeah all in good time yeah yeah well the chickens have to be put away at night that's correct because you've probably got coyote do you have coyotes there well um Alas, virus database has been updated um we um, have all sorts of uh interesting animals as a matter of fact i'm I'm very used to walking 20 to 25 miles a week um and of course walking on the roads around here is is a very different experience from walking in suburbia mm-hmm. because there's no street lights. I usually do it at 5.30 in the morning. So mm-hmm. um, I actually decided after I had some conversations with people about the fact that there have been black bears sighted up oh, the wow. roads here that I, my dogs and I would go into town and walk around downtown in the early morning. Yeah, yes. You know, and I never thought about that either because I was in um, Florida and I would get up really early to walk the dogs. And Mm -hmm. the longer I stayed, the darker it got because I was getting up really early. And people would say to me, 
you know, it's safe around here. And I'm thinking, well, you know, when it's dark, and I did have a big dog with me, but I don't, you, I wasn't thinking of the human, you know, sort of element. I was thinking more of what animal is going to come out of the woods, you know, um, at that time of the morning or at that time of the evening if I went out in the evening. So, yes, that is a consideration. Absolutely. Well, I do have to say the time change was a benefit to me because that meant I could walk in the yeah. morning and I wasn't walking in the dead dark anymore. Yes. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's lovely having that darkness, though, because all of a sudden the stars you know, open up to you. And uh... Eight years ago, a friend of mine gave us a huge telescope mm-hmm. that we have never really been able to effectively use because we had too much ambient light, mm-hmm. you know, in um, Severna Park. So here, it is though God has laid the heavens down on top of us, and it is just astonishing how dark it is mm-hmm. when the moon is not out. So that is really has been a tremendous blessing for yeah. us. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, Gretchen, let's we've, we're, we're going to be talking a little bit about Thanksgiving. And um, this is the Friday after Thanksgiving. The show is going to be published. But, you know, Thanksgiving really isn't just about that one day. We can stretch it for the weekend or we can have it as a, as a whole season. I know throughout the month of November in our church we uh, remember the dead. And so Thanksgiving takes on so much more when you, mm-hmm. when you do something like that. So first off, typically, as a family, what do you do and, and how has that changed? Because as a homeschooling family, you probably did a lot of things. So tell us some of the things you did when you were homeschooling and, and Thanksgiving came around. Well, you know, it's really interesting. We have always spent Thanksgiving here in Hendersonville. Oh, really? Um, we have always driven from Maryland to um, Hendersonville for Thanksgiving because Pat, uh, my husband, has several siblings, and his siblings have always come home for Thanksgiving. So that has always been sort of the family homecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and this will be the first year 
that it is not in my mother-in-law's house. Uh, as a matter of fact, as an aside, one of the things that was very important to my sister-in-laws was that we keep my mother-in-law's dining room table. Oh, okay. Because my sister-in-law said she'd never had Thanksgiving at any other table. Oh, right. And um, we're going to do that. This year we're going to have Thanksgiving at our house with many of the same things we always have. Um, and we're really looking forward to that. Um, we're going to miss having some of our usual, um, the, some of the usual suspects aren't going to be here. Callan is uh, going to Colorado for Thanksgiving, and my darling daughter-in-law has a new job, so my son and daughter-in-law won't be able to come. And um, my son-in-love and daughter said uh, driving that distance with three small children just does not appeal to them, and I don't blame them. I wouldn't do it either. So it won't be as much of a raucous Thanksgiving as it has been in the past, but it um, it will be fun. We're looking forward to it. So family traditions, when you were actually, when you had young children in the house, did you do the... Oh, I don't know, the turkey art. I know Calvert was pretty good at um, following seasons. It wasn't necessarily a Christian um, curriculum, but it did follow seasons to a degree, didn't it? Yes, and and when the kids were really little, you know, we would put five pieces of corn on the plate and talk about being thankful, and that was what the Pilgrims' first Thanksgiving consisted of, was sharing a very tiny meal Mm -hmm. and... um, I have to admit, our, our Thanksgiving is pretty traditional. You know, we have the turkey and the stuffing and all of those things. But um, uh, Thanksgiving for us is not about shopping. It's about spending time as a family. Um, we usually plan a hike um, or more than one. Mm-hmm. And um, the boys are taking on the responsibility of planning where we're hiking this year. And I think we're going to have some really some fun hikes. So we're excited about that. The countryside around you then, is it flat or do you have a hilly terrain? What's it like? Oh, no, we're, um, we're about uh, 1,800 feet up and um, very hilly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find flat places to walk. Our, two of our favorite places to walk are um, uh, literally walking up the side of a mountain to the top to a tremendous view and then back down again. Of course, the North Carolina mountains don't look much like you know it's that we're the tail end of the Appalachian chain so Mm -hmm. um, it's not too terribly high but there's some absolutely astonishing views here and one of the things that is so very different is the sky is so clear and um, there's just less pollution in general here than there was in the mid-Atlantic region and so sunsets and sunrises and blue sky days are just different and gorgeous but you're is still considered south in the south? Are you? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we are. We actually had snow a week ago Saturday here. Oh, you did? <laughs> we did. So, uh, um, Halloween evening, it was rainy, and we woke up to almost six inches of snow Saturday morning. And by 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon, not only was all the snow gone, but the ground was completely dry. If I hadn't taken photographs, I wouldn't have believed we'd actually had solid precipitation it was quite amazing wow wow we haven't had that yet but we're in texas so it's been cold a cold front flew in blew in flew in and uh windy but 
no sign, although there has been a word that there may be snow this week and that might be the first snow day, but I doubt very much whether it'll do anything serious. Well, you know, having grown up with parents who owned a ski shop, I do my snow dance from Labor Day to Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the more snow, the better, the happier I am. And uh, that doesn't make me give, that doesn't win me many friends with some (laughs) of my friends who think I'm deliberately responsible for the snow that we got last winter in Maryland and I laughed in fact I told my pastor if if you think I'm responsible for all this snow don't you think I'd be praying money in this way (laughs) (laughs) okay you mentioned pastor have you found a church that you're happy with do you know we are we are blessed to be worshiping in the church in which we were married really (laughs) and um that it's not the same building the building has been reconstructed as a much larger building than it was when we were married 30 plus years ago. But we are in the, with that same congregation. Duncan has found a life team youth group that is just astonishing and it's absolutely wonderful. As a matter of fact, we're having the entire life team group out here this coming Saturday for a bonfire and we're very excited about that. Oh, nice. Right, well, we just had our bonfire day in England on November the 5th, but uh, don't see any bonfires here, and not in the city. But <laughs> Yes, this will be our second bonfire in about six weeks. So, And the good news is all of the stuff for the bonfire is stuff we've pulled out of off the land around here. It gives us an opportunity to continue to clear the land. So I know, that's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, I grew up... It- being able to do that, being able to just, you know, you pile it all up and just once every month or six weeks set a bonfire. And when I went back to England, I could smell the bonfires around because people just can do them in their gardens. They just have to be careful not to be too close to their fence or their neighbor's house. And um, I said, oh, I love that smell. And quite a few people around me said, oh, really bad for my asthma or it causes my child to, you know, sort of cough or and I went oh I never really thought about that I just like the smell of it you know I just think it's tremendous I love it um we had we actually did a burn on Sunday here and um dinner is out in the ash pile now um because we still have a pile of ashes out there that were hot enough to cook hobo packages oh nice very nice (laughs) oh that's good so uh, a different life then for the four of you very different yeah and you enjoying it it is tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you belong to PTAs? Um, we do have a PTO organization. Um, okay. uh, the parent-teacher organization is very active here. We've gotten to know some really nice um, folks in the family. And um, the high school uh, has an alumni organization. As a matter of fact, on homecoming every year, the high school does a reception for everyone who's ever graduated from there and so that was a great deal of fun for us we found a whole bunch of folks that we have known over the years everyone from people who taught us in high school to people who graduated with us and before us and after us and that was a great deal of fun good good so your children especially your two boys can see that this um an extension I mean it's a continuation of their family not quite the same as families that are just moving somewhere for a job and have no family no connection to where they've moved so they're moving to a connected place that's 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 right and that has that has been a tremendous blessing for us and then getting to see my husband's mom 
on a weekly basis. She mm -hmm. comes over and has dinner with us about once a week. That's mm -hmm. been a blessing too. And can she still do that? Can she still drive? And oh yes, she's um, she can probably still run circles around me at yeah. eighty six. Uh, yeah. She's slowing down a little bit, mm -hmm. but um, she is she still has a tremendous amount on the ball. God bless her. Um, yeah. She, I laugh. She ta still takes communion to the old people once a week. Right. She says. <laughs> Well, you know, that's wonderful. If she can do it, then, you know, that's Absolutely. that's great. That's great that Absolutely. she can do that. She's very inspirational. Mm. What about your Taekwondo and your yoga? Are you still doing that? No. <laughs> um, there is there is no Bikram yoga here locally, and there is there is a Taekwondo studio of sorts, but it's not the kind of Taekwondo that we had practiced, so... Um, we really miss that. We're, we're very sorry that that's not an, uh, available to us right now. Owen um, fell off the monkey bars at school three weeks ago, so his arm's back in a cast. So I guess it's good that we don't have Taekwondo. Oh. But um, we would love to find something like that to be able to do as a family again. That was tremendous. Yeah, yeah. So you all did that as a family, Taekwondo? We did. The boys yeah. and I did. Um, yeah. My husband kind of thought we were a little crazy, but... <laughs> well, well, Gretchen, um, we've come to the end of our time today together. Um, I've been talking to my good friend Gretchen Rowe, who's been on my show many times over the five years I've been broadcasting. And if you go to the Sociable Homeschooler and type in her name, you'll have plenty of conversations to catch up on. Thank you, Gretchen, so much for joining me today and telling me all about your family and your move and the changes that you've undergone in the last six it's months. It's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you, as always. Well, it's been a great pleasure for me, too. You have a safe weekend and you stay warm, all right? Thank you, and you as well. Take care. That darling Texan uh, hug for me, okay? I, I will, I will. <laughs> bye. Bye-bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, Check out her website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I was talking to my good friend Gretchen Rowe about her holiday plans and particularly about Thanksgiving and the traditions they had in their family while they were growing up. 
Gretchen and her husband and two of her six children moved from Maryland, where they lived for 20 years, to western North Carolina, where Gretchen grew up. We heard all about the three-acre farmstead and life back home, what it was like to move and how they're faring. We also talked about the meaning of Thanksgiving and the importance of holidays in our lives to be enjoyed, not fretted over and hastened through. Gretchen told us how seamless the transition to public school was for her two boys. <clears throat> Good news for homeschoolers who may find themselves in a similar situation, what do you think? In a few weeks, Gretchen and I will be talking about the new curriculum company she works for, Demi Learning, best known to us as Matthew C. So watch out for the dates and tune in to the show. Thanksgiving is a good time for me to think about the next year. It's a little early, but it takes me a while to process what's gone before and what I'm looking forward to. I really do want to make a difference. I want to do something, not necessarily a job for money, but something that will benefit others. When we were in Florida, I was so blessed and thought, I'm here doing nothing for the Lord, just enjoying my sweet little self. But you know what? I began to think how trustworthy I was and how the two people whose house we were looking after could go and visit their family and friends in England and Scotland without a worry about their home or their dogs. We were there as a blessing for them. So I was doing something for the Lord. I want to be the person who stops at the beautiful gate and does something. But listen up, everyone. We're not all called to do the same thing. So don't feel guilty when you look at someone serving meals in a soap, soup kitchen or selling something and sailing off to the Af on the Africa Mercy. We're not all the same. Our strengths lie in different places. I know when I find something I can do, it'll be right for me. But don't get me wrong. I won't be sitting around pushing away opportunities saying, that's not for me, that's not for me, something will come along. I have to actively seek ruling out, as I've been calling it. There's nothing wrong with trying something and leaving. One thing that appeals to me that makes my blood boil when I think about it is the plight of battered women. My guest a couple of weeks ago goes to strip clubs to minister to the women there, and although I admire her work, I couldn't do that, but I could be a spokesperson for battered women. In fact, I nearly was, but the charity never contacted me again. The enthusiastic people who interviewed me and told me I'd be terrific dropped me like a hot brick. But there is a need out there, a smaller organization maybe, that will better suit. Max Lucado, the book that my husband and I are reading at the moment, Outlive Your Life, gives lots of choices and examples and ways to find out what we can do to make a difference. When we're married, we have to make a difference that will fall in line with our significant other too. No going off on missionary trips, well at least not long ones, on your own. Max says, let's be the people who stop at the gate. Let's look at the hurting until we hurt with them. No hurrying past, turning away or shifting of eyes. No pretending or glossing over. Let's look at the face until we see the person. A couple of our congregation lives with the heartbreaking reality that their son is homeless. He ran away when he was 17, and with the exception of a few calls from prison and one visit, his parents have had no contact with him for 20 years. His mum allowed me to interview her at a leadership gathering. As we prepared for the discussion, I asked her why she was willing to disclose her story. I want to change the way people see the homeless, she said. I want them to stop seeing problems and begin seeing mothers' sons. In certain Zulu areas of South Africa, 
people greet each other with a phrase that means, I see you. Change begins with a genuine look and continues with a helping hand. Max says, I'm writing this chapter by a dim light in an Ethiopian hotel, only a few miles and hours removed from a modern-day version of this story. Zune Tulima lives in a two-room, dirt-floored cinderblock house at the end of a dirt road in the dry hills of Adama, maybe 300 square feet He's painted the walls a pastel blue and hung two pictures of Jesus, one of which bears the caption, Jesus the Good Shepherd. During our visit, the air is hot, the smell of cow manure is pungent, and I don't dare inhale too deeply for fear I'll swallow a fly. Across from me, Zune beams. He wears a Nike cap with a crooked bill, a red jacket in spite of furnace-level heat, and a gap-toothed smile. No king was ever prouder of a castle than he is of his four walls. As the 35-year-old relates his story, I begin to understand. Just two years ago, he was the town drunk. He drank away his first marriage and came within a prayer of doing the same with the second. He and his wife were so consumed with alcohol that they farmed out their kids to neighbours and resigned themselves to a drunken demise. But then someone saw them, like Peter and John saw the beggar at the beautiful gate. Members of an area church took a good look at their situation. They began bringing the couple food and clothing. They invited them to attend worship services. Zune was not interested. However, his wife, Bilili, was. She began to sober up and consider the story of Christ, the promise of a new life, the offer of a second chance. She believed... She believed... Zune was not so quick. He kept drinking until one night, a year later, he fell so hard he knocked a dent in his face that remains to this day. Friends found him in a gully and took him to the same church and shared the same story of Jesus with him. He hasn't touched a drop since. The problem of poverty continued. The couple owned nothing more than their clothing and mud hut. Enter Meskarem. Trango, a world vision worker, he continued the looking and touching ministry. How could he help Zune, a recovering alcoholic, get back on his feet? Jobs in the area were scarce. Besides, who would want to hire the village sot? The gift of cash was not the solution. The couple might drink it away. Meskarem sat with Zune and explored the options. He finally hit upon a solution. Cow manure. He arranged a loan through the World Vision Microfinance Department. Zune acquired a cow, built a shed, and began trapping the cow droppings and turning them into methane and fertilizer. Bilili cooked with the gas, and he sold the fertilizer. Within a year, Zune had repaid the loan, bought four more cows, built his house, <clears throat> and reclaimed his kids. Now I have ten livestock, thirty goats, a TV set, a tape recorder, and a mobile phone. Even my wife has a mobile phone, he smiled, and I dream of selling grain. It all began with an honest look and a helping hand. Could this be God's strategy for human hurt? First, kind eyes meet desperate ones. Next, strong hands help weak ones. Then, the miracle of God. We do our small part, he does the big part, and life at the beautiful gate begins to be just that. From Max Lucado's Outlive Your Life, See the Need, Touch the Hurt. And Max has donated all of the profits from his book to World Vision, and I'm very interested in those micro-financing 
companies. So I'm going to look into that. And I think I want to train myself to look beyond the outward appearance, to try to get inside the person. I said to my cowboy when we were reading this book, I'm too liberal and feel if someone's a beggar or a down and out or homeless, it's of their own making, their choice, and I'm not prepared to change his or her life for him or her. But I should at least look into their eyes as I hand them some food vouchers, even if I'm not inviting them into my house. My grandmother had a boarding house, and during the war, World War Two, she was buying food with the rations her lodgers had given her, and while waiting in the butcher shop, she noticed a woman behind her who looked very sad. My grandmother was an optimist and always smiling, and she said in her Geordie accent, "'Cheer up, love, it may never happen.' "'It has,' said the miserable woman. Her home had been bombed in the night while she and the children were in the air-raid shelter. My grandmother gave them a room in her house for, for free until she could get on her feet. She was like that, Nana. And she lives on in my mind, and I wonder if she lives on in the minds of the young children she gave a temporary home to all those years ago. This Thanksgiving, celebrate all weekend. Thank God for your life, your salvation, and your freedoms. Thank those who have fought for freedoms. Thank your family for their gifts and talents passed on to you and the examples they set. Tell their stories this weekend. Remember them well. Encourage your children to ask questions. Many stories go to the grave untold. Don't let yours or your mother's or your grandmother's or your grandfather's for that matter. Thank time for me to go and to find another ear to bend. Time just flies, doesn't it? I'm keeping away from the malls, unpacking again, and spending time with family and enjoying my new surroundings. There are some good films out at the cinema that shows foreign films, so we may go and have a meal while watching The Good Lie about Sudanese refugees. I do enjoy those theatres that serve food and drink while you watch, don't you? I'll be here, same time, same place, next week on Tokenet Radio. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Tokenet Radio, my producer Casey, my guest Gretchen Rowe, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Christine, Joel, Laura, and many others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all day and catch some great shows while you work. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, 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 Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.